Amen. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that you went to the cross and you, you shed your blood and through the shedding of your blood we have the forgiveness of sins. And we also are filled with your Holy Spirit. And it's only through the power of your Holy Spirit that we can, can do your will, that we can live out your will for us. And we know that it's your will that we would produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that we would be a people of love, that we would be a people of joy, and that we would be a people of peace in this world. And that you would also give us self-control, because we know that the will of the enemy is, is that we would follow the desires of our flesh. So I pray that you would break and hinder every, um, everything that would come against your will for our lives, for this congregation, and for this community. Lord, only you can do this. And Lord, it's all to your praise and to your glory. So be glorified in your church. Be glorified in, your, in our lives. That our ears would be open to hear. And that we would be changed to live a life that glorifies you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I need to see if I have a Bible. You know, I I've, I've, uh, haven't been sleeping very well for the past week and um, went to Las Vegas. If anybody has a Bible, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate that. <laughs> went to Las Vegas to uh, help take care of my mom. My mom uh, ended up with some abdominal pain uh, in, her, in her belly, found out that she has ovarian cancer. So she underwent uh, surgery, and um, so I went there. My sister's been there for quite some time, but I went there to kind of relieve my sister. and Stayed up with my mom uh, through the night uh, for about a, a week, not really sleeping through the night, but maybe once when I was able to go back to the hotel. So, but what an, what an opportunity to spend time with my mom and to uh, just really have the privilege of of taking care of her a little bit. You know, moms, they, they put so much into, into their kids. And for me to go and to be with my mom, to rub her feet when she wasn't feeling well and to do that sort of stuff, what a, what a privilege and an opportunity uh, that was. Give me a whole new perspective uh, in life doing that. So I know that today is, is Father's Day, but I'm grateful for my mom and I'm grateful for my dad. And uh, also the example that my dad has set in my life, too, and the way that she cares uh, for my mother. You know, it's, it's God's will for our lives that we would, we would live in service uh, towards one another. And, and that service that we give towards one another is a self-sacrifice. It's not about my comfort. It's not about your comfort. It's about living in such a way that we would help and serve uh, others throughout our lives. That really is God's will for our lives. And that takes self-control. And it takes this, uh, uh, this work of the Holy Spirit, which would help us in our battle against the sinful nature, against the flesh. So let's turn in our Bibles today to 
Romans chapter 7. And in Romans chapter 7, we can hear of Paul's struggle, his struggle against the sinful nature. So we're going to be reading Romans chapter 7, verses 14 uh, through chapter 8, verse 4. Uh, reading in Jesus' name. Here the Apostle Paul writes, We know that the law is spiritual. So the law, that is the commandments. It is spiritual, it's good. But Paul admits this, But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And a person who's sold as a slave to sin is going to live their lives in a way that is not according to God's will. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. He says, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. How many of you can identify with that? You want to live in God's will, but you end up doing the very thing that you don't want to do. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that uh, good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. So he's basically saying we have this sinful nature, this nature that desires to sin. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. What wretched people we are. And then the Apostle Paul says, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And he gives us the hope and the answer. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Phil. So the first thing I'd like to say today is that we're, we're all addicted. Each and every one of us are addicts. Each and every one of us are addicted to sin. So addicted that we cannot stop sinning. Take the challenge. Try to go a week. Try to go a day. 
Try to go five minutes without sinning. You can't do it. We're all addicted to this thing called sin. Our sin nature desires actually distance from God. That's really what sin is. It's it's rejecting God and, and going away from God. That's what sin is. It's distance from God. Sin is that place that's far from God. And in that place that is far from, from His will for our lives. So we're all addicts. We're all addicted to sin. I love the lines of the hymn writer Robert Robinson. He writes this, Prone to wander. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are so prone to wander away from God and His will and His plan for our lives. So then the only response that the hymn writer has is this. Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. All of us addicts. Addicted to sin. And it's said that that sin... Uh, or that addiction is a disease. People would say that addiction is a disease, and, and I would agree. In part, addiction, addictions like alcoholism or, or even gambling behave as a disease. There's a chemical response that makes stopping nearly impossible. And you, you probably have experienced this in your life. If you can't Stop eating that cake. If you can't stop drinking from the bottle or popping the pills, you understand that that your body is addicted. Our bodies love that dopamine rush. And sin is just like an addiction. And theologians refer to sin uh, also as a disease. In the same way we could refer to as addiction as a disease, we could also refer to sin as a disease, a hereditary disease, something that we inherited from our first parents in the garden, Adam and Eve. So in Alcoholics Anonymous, they say that the, the first step in recovery from addiction is to admit that your life is out of control. That's step, step number one. In order to achieve recovery, you need to admit that your life is out of control and that you are powerless over your addiction. And as Christians, we need to admit the same thing. We are powerless over our addiction to sin and that our life is out of control. We're not living the life that Christ has called us To live. And the second step in the 12 step program is to admit that you need a power greater than yourselves. And we know who that power is the God who loves us, the God who sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to die for us and to take away our sins. So in in AA, they say, you need a power that is greater than yourselves to restore your life to sanity. 
We need the same thing. And for the person who's in recovery from addiction, they need to live in that reality daily. Continually admitting that their life is out of control and that they need a power greater themselves in order for their lives to be returned to a place of sanity. And so we as disciples of Jesus, we realize that's the same thing for us. We need that too. We may not be addicted to alcohol or to, or to narcotics, but we're addicted to sin. And the only hope we have is in a power greater than ourselves. And so Christ is that power. Christ is the one who comes to restore us to that place that God desires us to live in as those who trust in Jesus. So we need to admit our sin, that we're powerless over our sins, and that we need a power greater than ourselves at work within us. And Jesus called this repentance. This means that we are a people who continually walk in repentance. We admit that we are sinners, and we admit that we need Jesus. That without Jesus, we have no hope. Martin Luther, the medieval reformer, he said something to the effect of this. That when, he said that when Jesus said repent, he meant that the whole of the Christian life should be repentance. That our whole lives as disciples is to live before the Lord. Saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. Because I'm powerless. I'm powerless. I cannot live a life that brings glory to you unless Jesus comes, fills me with the Holy Spirit, and causes me to live in such a way that I would bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit in my life. So are you walking in repentance? Do you believe that you're powerless over your addiction to sin? Do you believe that without Jesus, your life isn't what it should be? That without Jesus, sin rules? And you're not bringing glory to God. So are you walking in the life that God has for you to live? Are you walking in the life that God has for you today? That life that brings glory to the name of God? So we're all addicts, addicted to sin. And today we, we finish this sermon series on the fruits of the Spirit. And Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's, first of all, is love. But the last of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And we need the Holy Spirit to do this work in our hearts because we're addicted to sin. We cannot stop unless the Holy Spirit comes in and does this work so that we have self-control and live a life that glorifies God. So as a people addicted to sin, we need the Holy Spirit. We need Him to strengthen us 
so that we can live self-controlled lives. And this is something that the Holy Spirit desires for us. And so the Holy Spirit comes to us and he is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. In John 16, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. Just before Jesus was betrayed, before he was, um, he was tried before Pontius Pilate and then executed upon the cross, just before he went to the cross, Jesus promised the disciples another helper, that the Holy Spirit would come and give to the disciples what they needed. And Jesus said it this way, I tell you the truth. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. He said, it's to your advantage that I go to the cross and that I rise again and that I go to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He says that it's to your advantage that I go away. He says, for if I do not go away, he says, the helper will not come to you. We need this helper. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his power at work within our lives. And then Jesus says, but if I go, I will send him to you. So you have the Holy Spirit. You have that helper living inside of you. He is the one who helps you in your struggle. He is the one who gives you the ability to have self-control when you're tempted. He's the one who gives you the strength to say no. So as you trust in the Holy Spirit's power to develop self-control over sin and to live a life that brings glory to Christ, I want you to remember these five things. Ian, there's five points for you today. Five things to remember. Do you have the Holy Spirit? So first of all, remember that temptations will come. Temptations will come. Did you know that there will never be a time in your life, in this present life, in this present world, when temptations will not come? So don't believe for a second that the life of a disciple is an easy life. Temptations will always come. In reality, the battle intensifies as we come to trust in God. The more you learn to trust in the Lord, and the closer you, you grow to the Lord, and, and the more you grow in faith, I, I believe that the, that the battle intensifies. These temptations, they come. Now, temptations, again, are like an addiction. They're like an addiction. They're going to come. It's going to persist. So trials also come. Not only temptations, but trials. And, and these are the difficult things that happen to us. Uh, illness, death, and hard times. All of these things that, that, come, that are common to humanity, they come to us too as Christians. So the same sins, the same temptations, the same trials that are common to all of humanity are common to us as well. You'll always face trials. You'll always face temptations. And where do these temptations come from? 
Well, the Bible teaches us that they come from the world, they come from the flesh, and they come from the devil. In the same way, Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, he comes to us, and he tempts us. And at the root of our temptation is this, we're tempted to no longer trust what God has said. The same way that the devil came to Eve and spoke to Eve, what did the devil say to Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say? So we too are tempted to no longer trust God, to no longer trust his word, and to follow what the world is saying. So we're tempted to go the opposite direction, to be distant from God, to live a life that doesn't please Him. And we're we're tempted to, to, to live just like the world does. You see, the world hates. And we're tempted to follow the, the path of hate. But God says love. The world rejects. But we're called to accept. The world condemns. We're called to forgive. The world pushes away. We're called to embrace. The world rejects the scriptures. We're called to live it out. In a world of immorality, we're called to control our lustful desires. The world is greedy. We're called to be generous. In a world of vicious words, we speak in love. In a world of lies, we walk in the truth of God's Word. So we're, we're, we're so tempted to follow the path of the world, a path of hatred instead of love, a path that rejects people rather than accept people, a path that condemns others rather than forgives others. We're so tempted to walk down the path of this, of this world, to join in with the masses in the anger and in the words of hatred. But thanks be to God, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who can take control. Trials and temptations come, but the fruit of the Spirit is growing in our lives. So don't be tempted. Don't allow temptation to take root. Trust in the Lord. Let his work be at work in your life. And then number two, the the struggle is frustrating. The struggle is frustrating. So tempted to sin. Romans 7, Paul says, So I find this law at work. Even though I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. He's so frustrated. And he ends with this, or he almost ends with this, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Do you identify with Paul's frustration? Do you identify with his struggle? What a wretched man I am. Struggle's real. But in your struggle to gain control over sin, you can receive strength. Not your own strength. But you can receive strength from Jesus. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But then he gives us the hope that we need. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Jesus comes. And he promises to give you a new heart. Jesus comes and he rescues you through this struggle with sin. So this brings us to point number three. You have strength in Jesus. Today you have strength in Jesus. Don't trust in your own strength. Don't trust in your own ability. Look to Jesus. You see, the Bible never says that all things are possible through me. The Bible says that all things are possible through him. You see, man is weak. The flesh is weak. Our willpower is weak. But all things are possible with Jesus. All things are possible with him. So admit that you need the strength of Jesus. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you come to that point like Paul did, where he understood that he was powerless over his addiction to sin, that he needed a strength beyond himself. And then number four, we've already covered this, but you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is in you. He is in you. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. And then he says this, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he sent to help her, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you, strengthening you, giving you what you need in life. And then number four, prayer, prayer is, is your gift. Prayer is a gift, a gift from God. And aren't you so glad that, that as, you, as you walk through life and as you experience the temptations of life, as you see that, that within your sinful nature there's no self-control. That you can reach out to God at any moment. Through prayer. 
And he hears you. And he comes to your aid to strengthen you and to give you the will that you need in life. When Jesus gave us this prayer, he gave us the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, he taught us to pray this. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the prayer that we need to be living in. We need to be living in all of the Lord's Prayer. But in in our struggle against sin, in our addiction to sin, we need, we need to be delivered. We need to ask the Lord to lead us into that place where we're not tempted, but to lead us in that place where we receive the help that we need. And Jesus has come to deliver you. Simply cry out to him. Jesus is the one who goes into those places, the darkest place, The worst place, he meets people there. He picks them up, and he draws them out. A couple of decades ago, there was a a movie called Forrest Gump. Who here remembers the movie Forrest Gump? It's a good movie. In the movie Forrest Gump, Forrest ends up in the the Vietnam War, and he he meets uh, a friend. Who who remembers uh, Forrest's friend's name? Bubba. Uh, Forrest and Bubba, they became fast friends. Well, uh, towards uh, his, uh, the, the end of his tour in Vietnam, uh, his platoon was uh, hit really hard by the enemy. And Forrest Gump, he, he made it out of this area that was under heavy fire by the enemy. Many, many of Forrest's platoon mates were hit and were injured uh, by the enemy. Forrest made it out. He was not injured. But as he made it out to a place of safety, he looked back and he saw that his best friend Bubba wasn't with him. So what did Forrest do? Forrest ran back into that place of danger. Lieutenant Dan, though, had called for... Uh, a bombing of that area. And uh, as soon as uh, Lieutenant Dan said, saw Forrest in, in that area, he said, you've got to get out of here, Forrest. This place is going to be a fireball. Uh, the jets are coming. They're going to bomb the enemy out. But Forrest, he was relentless. He would go in to to, to look for his his friend Bubba, but he would see another platoon mate, and he would pick up that platoon mate and uh, run back to the place of safety and set him down. Then he'd run back in to to go look for Bubba, and he'd find another one of his platoon mates that wasn't Bubba, pick him up and carry him out and bring him to the place of safety. He pulled, I think, like six of his platoon mates out, and then he finally found Bubba. He pulled Bubba and brought him to a place of safety. And as soon as uh, Forrest was running out, you know, he got hit by the bullet. You know where he got hit, right? Remember that? He gets hit by the bullet. And as the, the jungle erupts in fire, 
There's Forrest carrying his friend Bubba out of the jungle to put him into that place of safety. What Forrest Gump did is a lot like what Jesus does for us. We're in that place where we're powerless to pick ourselves up and to get out of that place of danger, to get out of that place of temptation. But Jesus is the one who runs in. He picks us up and he runs with us in his arms and he puts us in that place of safety. That's what Jesus has done for you. You know that? You really know that reality? I, I think that if we could see really what, what reality is, we would desire to give God even more glory, to give Him more praise, and to live our lives in a way that honors Him. Not just singing praises in church, but living praises, living a life of worship, living a life that honors Him. But we forget the peril that we were in. And we forget what our Savior Jesus did to run into that place of danger. To pick us up and to carry us out. And today each and every one of us were tempted. We're tempted. So cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Him. And He will pick you up. And he will carry you away from that temptation. He'll give you self-control. He'll give you what you need. You're not going to live a perfect Christian life. But you will grow. And you will come to experience the life that the Holy Spirit has for you. And it's all to his glory. And it's all to his honor. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the work that you've done in us and through us. Thank you for running into that place of danger. Thank you for picking us up. Thank you for bringing us to a place of safety where we can experience life, life that's everlasting. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we live this new life that you've called us to live, that we would live it with self-control, not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in your Holy Spirit, understanding that we're powerless over this thing called sin. And that only you can do this work within us. So we ask you, Heavenly Father. We ask you once again for your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.